0: Welcome to Inside My Canoe Head, a podcast about self-reliance and building a more resilient lifestyle. Hang on and join us for your latest emergency preparedness information, building a better you in the face of life's disruptions, and all those other crazy stuff that's driving us nuts in today's world. I'm your host, Jeff. Let's get at it. Welcome back to our second episode in the simplification series. Today we're going to talk about physical simplification and no don't worry we're not going to go down the road of a Marie Kondo and get you to throw everything you own out. I am a minimalist and I'll be open about that but this is not that type of episode. This is about intent and purpose. Today we're going to talk about your physical possessions and how that relates and ties into your physical space and ties into the life plan that you've put together the first episode we talked about time time being the most important commodity you have in life it is the one thing no matter how rich and successful you get you cannot purchase more of i am 49 years old i don't know if i have four decades left or four hours So the time that I have on the face of this earth is the one precious thing I must protect, which is why we started with developing exactly your schedule and that white space and only putting the stuff in that brings you absolute joy or is absolutely necessary in your life and you design that. This is not a template from somebody else and I will argue throughout this entire podcast that if you try to download somebody else's plan and expect to get somebody else's results you will fail and you will fail miserably it only ever works whatever you're doing is if you take the principles and then you design your own plan from scratch because if you create it your success is far more guaranteed and that is not only based on my professional knowledge, but that is actually based on psychological research that has been done into the human animal and human behaviors and how we react to things from external stimuli or from things that we create ourselves. So really, so why do we go back to the point of simplification? Well, let's just put it this way. Whenever you watch a TV show, and I'm sure lots of us during this uh, COVID-19 lockdown or whatever you want to call it, wherever you may happen to live, You've watched some TV and some Netflix. Just recall some of those rescue shows, right? When a, when a celebrity chef comes rolling into a restaurant that is failing or a celebrity bar guy comes rolling into a bar that's failing, what's the first thing that they do? They simplify the menu, they simplify the offerings, they simplify the environment. They take out all these extraneous things that can cause disturbances in your plan and they take complexity and they set it aside in favor of simplicity. Why do they do that? Because when things are simple, things are far easier to be successful. That is basic. It works across any line of business you want to do. So when you see that, even life coaches will tell you that. I mean, if you've ever fortunate enough to have a life coach or a friend who acts as a life coach, um, every time that you run into a problem, I'm confused, I'm angry, I don't know what I'm doing, there's so many things going on, you hear the same comment back to you. You hear, what do you want? Like, really, what do you want? Like, why are you trying to solve all of these things on the periphery when you're not concentrating on the very center of the onion? You know, life is like an onion. You keep peeling it back and it gets sweeter and sweeter and better and better as you go. But it's all based around the core center. What do you want? And this is what we're trying to do in the simplification series. Now, we've got your time set aside. Fair enough. You've you've either completely eliminated a whole bunch of things. You've thought about it. You've wrote them down. You've done basically... I think probably what the basic necessity requires is that you at least have that conscious thought about what you need and what you should have in your schedule. So now what we're going to talk about is the physical side, but it flows from time, right? Let's think about this intent and purpose. What do you want to do with your time? And then what physical things do I need to facilitate and make that successful? It's all about what we need versus what you have and that comes from the time. So this is not about tossing about things you have. You have what you have. Again, this is not about blaming yourself. You've bought too much stuff. You own too much crap. You live in a too big house, or you live in a too small house, or you're overextended in your finances right, left, and you've bought everything you saw on a payment plan. Listen, stop beating yourself up. You look yourself in the mirror and say, hey, this podcast, like you, is all about building a self-reliant life. So you take full responsibility for that awesome individual that's staring back in the mirror and say, okay, this is where I am. I got here. Big deal. Now let's fix it. Okay. Now you know what you want to do with your time. Now you look around at the physical possessions you have, and you just basically try to draw a line between those two. And what we're saying from a very generalist point of view is that Look at the physical possessions you own and see if they match up to how you wish to spend your time. Yes, I know there are a whole bunch of things, things related to shelter, things related to eating and things relating to cleaning and using the washroom. Okay, they're necessary. But I'm talking about all of the things that are not required for the basic requirements of life, which we've gone over before. Look at those. Do they facilitate the things that you want to do? You're in charge of designing this life. This whole thing that we're going through in simplification and even all the way back into our previous uh, podcast series on individual emergency preparedness is you are designing this life. So now that you've designed it, you look at your physical possessions, say, okay, you have to make a choice. Are these items things that facilitate what I want to do? And they might be things that you, that you're going to do that right now, you know, plan to Time horizon three that sees in a year, you're really going to retake up golf. You got a couple of things to sort right now, but you really want to get back into golf because you know you just remember all the great times when you were younger and life was simpler and you loved to golf. And you got a set of golf clubs. Why would you throw the golf clubs out? It makes no logical sense. You may not actually going to use them for another year, but why would you throw them out? Because if you're going to golf again, you're only going to go out and buy them. Okay, so. I don't see the logic in throwing stuff out because you're not going to use it in the next 30 or 90 days, especially a set of good golf clubs because they're not cheap. I say that because that's like me. Right behind me in my studio here is my golf clubs. I've golfed once this year. I'd love to golf five times a week, but reality doesn't let that happen but golf is important to me it is something that i enjoy time so i have a set of golf clubs and i have the necessary equipment to have a great time doing something that i want to fit into my schedule it's really that simple it's not that complicated and it's very simple to something that i saw on and and it was on a motivational video that i saw on youtube and and i I do apologize i can't remember exactly uh whether it was Motoversity or uh, motivational life. I mean, I listen to so many different motivational channels, but anyhow, the individual was saying, quite frankly, you, you got to make a choice, right? You got to make a choice in life. If you had five options, like go to school, not go to school, become a lawyer, don't become a lawyer, live in a van or whatever, like make a choice because it doesn't matter because in your life, you will never ever know how it would have come out what the outcome would have been had you made a different choice. Like you'll never know that. You could imagine it, you could think about it, but you will never know for certain what would have happened, right? So you just make a darn choice and go for it. This is what you did with your schedule. Now you do it with your physical items. And then you make sure that you have those right tools and that right equipment to follow your plan. Now we know in the individual emergency preparedness series we talked about all the equipment and you developed a list of things that you think you should have to meet the requirements in the time horizon you set aside. Now a lot of the emergency preparedness equipment that you're going to have might likely never be used and it's kind of like a car insurance policy. You could be a great driver, a very safe and defensive driver and drive 40 years and never have a car accident yet have paid probably $100,000 in car insurance premiums over that period of time, right? But that's kind of like what emergency preparedness equipment is. It's that stuff that provides you that insurance policy for something that could happen. And so there are going to be things that you're going to keep that are just-in-case items. But remember, they need to be just-in-case items for something that might actually occur. Like, you know, that surfboard when you have a bad set of knees, but you know what, someday you're going to run away from it all with the surfboard and a car and go to Maui. Okay, maybe that's not the thing you should hang on to, but hey, you know, it's your life. And this is the point. Again, you make all those decisions and you make it figured out. Of course, we can't have a physical discussion without talking about money. Remember, money is a tool and it is not a measurement of success. Money is something that facilitates the acquisition of the necessary things for the basic of life. And once you have those basics of life, then money facilitates the acquisition of those tools and equipment that support the things that you have added to your calendar, and when you remove something from your calendar, you sell them and you acquire a little bit more money for them. So money is a tool; it is not a measurement of success. You did not start this life with any money, and you're not going to end this life with any money because you're going to go and we're all going in the same pine box. Okay, yours may be better decorated than mine, but we're both dead. So does it really matter? No, I'm not going to hound you on money. And, you know, to be 100% debt free, because a lot of people will tell you in today's world, having $100,000 in debt is never a bad thing at today's interest rates. If you have the cash flow to make to manage those payments, you know, what? I'm not going to preach to you what you should and should not do with money, tying yourself to debt, having to work a certain job. Having to generate a certain cash flow because you need to make a minimum set of payments required on debt that is long-term or consumer debt is never a good idea because you are not becoming an individual self-reliant person. You are tied to the bank or whomever owns that debt. So be careful when you talk about debt and be careful when you think about money. Money facilitates things. Even debt can facilitate things. Rich dad, poor dad will tell you, you know, he's a multimillionaire a hundred times over, but he's also $150 million in debt. But he also has the cash flow to manage the payment on that debt, which generates the lifestyle that that he absolutely lives. And so, you know, it's all about your philosophy and how you view money. All I'm saying is, is that you have to take it through the framework analysis of whether you are tied to doing something in order to facilitate that debt. Are you able to exit that debt? Are you able to liquidate assets? Like for example, if you had say, you know, $150,000 in credit card and cash flow debt, uh, but you had liquefied assets in in TFSA here in Canada or some other savings plan and a checking account worth $180,000, but you're using that debt to facilitate certain other things, and you could actually liquidate your assets, clear your debt and go off and chase something new, then I, who, who the heck has a problem with all that debt, right? I mean, be serious. The point being is, is that the freedom always must be preserved to be able to exit a certain strategy and move on to something else if your life priority changes. So just keep that in mind with debt. Uh, it's all about cash flow it's all about being able to pay your bills but it's also all about having the freedom to do what you want so we're going to end up today I know this is a bit of a shorter episode but I want to talk about a couple of really cool things that I came across these are interesting ideas that are out there in society and they both work exceptionally well for somebody who is thinking about an independent and self-reliant lifestyle with minimal physical possessions or just the basic required possessions to meet their time requirements. And one is the gig rental economy. Now, a lot of people have heard about the gig economy, the contract economy, the on-demand economy. And this is what is emerging from not just the COVID-19 pandemic, but it was coming along anyhow, where those days where you have a long-term job with a company, pay into a new pension plan, retire 35 years later, that kind of job is only really ever going to exist in the future in the public service and then that is likely to be in danger you know in the decades to come so what you're looking at is your work is probably going to be contract to contract to contract to contract to gig you're going to have to learn how to manage that money but that's that that's perfectly fine i mean you you can do it and it's fairly easy to do it and we're going to deal with that in the next episode but the gig rental and the gig economy is a really cool idea to to embrace because what it means is that you don't own a car, you rent a car when you need it. And I don't mean going to enterprise or budget or, or Hertz, well, not Hertz anymore because they're belly up, but uh, not going to rental car. It's, it's paying for a fractional car ownership. And this is a great idea where you pay, uh, well, here in Canada, the program that I looked up, uh, you pay $40 a month and uh, that $40 a month covers Uh, your membership, and some of the overhead costs of the organization, and then you pay so many dollars per hour to rent a car. You literally rent it by the hour. You pick which one you're going to pick up at what car park and at what parking spot and what hour you're going to return it. I need a car for four hours a day because think about it. Just think about it. You own a car and it sits in your driveway. If you think about the time, again, back to time, how much time do you actually spend driving that car? probably no more than five to seven percent of the day when it comes to time but you're paying a hundred percent of having it there wouldn't it be great if just when you need a car you rented the car for the time you needed it and you walked away no overhead no commitments no anything else no liabilities no car insurance no car payments nothing it was simply in an expulsion of cash flow it's very much like uber i don't need to get around in this city i have uber to get around you know I want to go to Costco. I take an Uber to Costco, I take an Uber back. All of my stuff comes with it. I don't need to own a car. Why the heck would I need to own a car? If I need to go to the airport, Uber will take me there. Um, one in a, I've run into one or two times where I've needed to transport to a very fun and interesting location for an outing outside of the city and no Uber doesn't go there. So I mean, but whatever, you figure it out. Um, Uber will probably go, if you talk to your Uber driver, wherever you want it to. But the point being is that the on gig, you know, I want to golf once or twice a year. I don't own clubs. It's actually cheaper far in the long run to rent clubs each and every time you go golfing. Uh, I live in a city where we sometimes get four to eight feet of snow in the run of a winter. I could buy a great snowblower for about a thousand dollars and then I could you know, maintain it and gas it. And oh, by the way, I actually have to stand out in the minus bazillion degree weather and blow the snow. Or I can pay a company 50 bucks a storm to show up and clear out my driveway. If you think about that, if you think about that gig and on-demand economy, it's so much more simple because I'm standing in my window, drinking my cup of coffee in my warm house, watching somebody else shovel my driveway. And all it is is cash. All it is is cash because that's, I would have to have 20 storms over a period of five years, the average life expectancy of a snowblower to even break even forget the fact that I will not be out there doing something I don't want to do. It, it's just that simple. It means right now we're emerging and we're seeing people cut niches out. So everything that you think you want to do or need access to, somebody is creating a marketable on-demand gig economy business to fulfill that need. You almost quite likely don't need to own almost anything and because you can rent it on-demand for what you need. So that's a great idea with uh, a gig rental. The other idea that I wanted to throw your way was this, this thing that I came across was, and I want to quote this correctly, uh, by the guy named, my Guy Sim, um, it was all about something called live like you're traveling. Okay. So basically he said his premise and his setup was he lived like he was traveling. So he basically lived out of a suitcase. He actually had an apartment, but he lived like he was traveling, you know, one or two suitcases, he's visiting family, whatever, you know, but what he also did is he went out and he spent time as if he was a visitor in his own city. If he was a visitor in his own neighborhood, he walked the streets all the time. He visited the little cafes, the little mom and pa shops. He just didn't go to the big grocery store. He lived as if he was an active participant in the community that surrounded him, just like he would be if he was a visitor to that, to go see all the neat and interesting things that are out there and i'll give a shout out to this great website called nar city where i'm constantly on there looking for some really freakish cool places to go in my own city and i've found some weird out of the way popsicle stands um, you know places where they make the wildest ice cream cones or you know, a bar, on demand bar that's over the falls and, and just these weird things that I didn't even know existed in my city. And I go to city now all the time. I found a bloody beach that's twenty minutes from my house that I didn't even know existed and I've lived here three years, which is fabulous. And and, you know, it's just great to, to live like that, to, to be a true tourist in your own town. Now I get it right now in COVID nineteen, that's probably not a great thing to do, but maybe it is because all those businesses are struggling. And they want that sense of community. So if you can drop by with a mask on, hand sanitize, keep your social distance and your safety distance away from everybody else, but you can buy some products from a local business owner, you are contributing to so much more than his rent or her rent. You are contributing to your community as a whole, and you're keeping the vibrancy going. Because again... We are social animals as human beings. We are gregarious. We need to be around each other. We need to have a sense of community. And whether that's a small or large community, that's completely up to you. But the whole point being is is this guy's premise was to be an active participant in your community on a daily basis. And he did this through the framework or the lens, shall we say, of acting like he was a visitor in his own uh, neighborhood. And so with that, uh, I promised you today that I would talk about uh, physical simplification. We did time in the previous episode, and I won't rehash that, why that's so important. And and if you link time, and now you've made the decision, you know what you want to do with your life and how you want to fill your time. Now you've looked at your physical possessions and made sure that to the best extent possible, they match those requirements. So you start seeing this timeline. I am living this plan that I defined. I'm doing what I want to do. I've made these time choices, friends, family, commitments, community, whatever they may be. And I've facilitated that with the necessary physical items that make that happen. I've realized there's probably some things kicking around here that I could sell or donate that don't need to be around here anymore. And I've started to feel, and you will, started to feel a little bit more free and a little bit more in control. And I'll go back to my one of my favorite quotes from Essentialism by Greg McKeown. If you don't go ahead and plan your life, somebody else will. And so this is your opportunity to then tie those physical items into that time frame And the last part of the puzzle is skill sets. We are going in the third episode, third and final episode of the series on simplification. We're going to talk about skill sets. We're going to talk about basic set of skills that you require to exist as a human being on the face of this earth, which you probably have some of, but likely not all of. And then we're going to move over and we're going to talk about the skill sets that you need to have in a very simplistic way to be certain that you're capable to meeting all life's demands and be ready for those inevitable disruptions when the next one comes down the line. Because we all know what happened when COVID-19 showed up, okay? You were not alone, that you were totally caught off guard, that you were totally disrupted, that it shocked your life, it shocked around you. It, it hurt the people that you love. It challenged your very belief in what the future will look like. Now, what we're going to do is get you a set of skills or, or lay the logic out behind the set of skills that, that we believe you should have enabled to meet the demands the next time a disruption comes. Because the next one will come and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, you don't control that, neither do I. Uh, I don't care what you think controls that. But the point being is you have a very limited frame and a very limited set of things that you can control. One of them is having the right skills to deal with disruption in life. So based upon that, hopefully today was of value to you. Thank you for joining us at Inside My Canoe Head, and we'll look forward to seeing you next week.